The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, Marie Biancuso. And with me today, I have Dr. Susan Luddington, Dr. Luddington, welcome. Thank you. Welcome to you, too. Dr. Luddington is actually Dr. Susan Luddington, Ph.D., CNM, F-A-A-N. Dr. Luddington is the professor of pediatric nursing at Francis Payne Bolton School of Nursing at Case Western Reserve University. I will let all of you take a look at, first of all, our site where we've given a brief biography of Dr. Ludington. And believe me, it's a really brief one because she has a biography that's as long as my arm. And I have been reading Susie's studies for years. I think that you will find today that not only is Susie a nurse, a uh, nurse midwife and a professor, but she is also a very well published author on the subject of skin to skin contact or kangaroo care. And she's also so just totally a delight to talk with. I know that you will be very, very interested in all that she has to say because kangaroo care has become so much more talked about uh, in the last, I don't know, I would say even the last couple of years, even though it's really nothing new. So, Susie, can you tell us, is kangaroo care the same as skin-to-skin contact? And what does that mean? Any contact with any skin? Can it be elbow-to-elbow? Elbow? Or talk to us about what kangaroo care and skin-to-skin contact really means. Okay, well, kangaroo care is a term that usually refers to skin-to-skin contact with babies who are in the neonatal intensive care unit, meaning they're either premature or they're sick full-term babies. Um, Skin-to-skin contact is really a name for a position that should be called skin-to-skin, chest-to-chest, because this skin-to-skin contact has amazing effects on infant and mother, the way God designed it to be, and it's because there are very special nerves only on the chest that pick up the message that I am in close contact with my baby, and from the baby I am in close contact with my mother. Because the nerves on the chest, from one nipple to the other, from the sternum to the umbilicus, are extremely sensitive to constant, pleasing human 
touch that is not massage but just lying on the mother's chest and it sends a message to a specific area of the brain that says I am safe now I am with my mother I don't need to be stressed I've been born but I can handle this because I'm with mother and my heart rate and respiratory rate are all going to get okay my oxygen will go up a bit I'm going to be warm I can relax I am safe I am with my mother Oh, I love that, Susie, because I'm thinking that sometimes I will tell parents, consider that the baby has had a long trip, and this is the baby's recovery period. Would that be a fair statement? Oh, yes, absolutely, because Uh this message goes to 14 places in the baby's brain, and the first place it goes to is his brainstem to say, you are not in stress anymore. You made it through this birth. You've made it so far. Now get onto your mother's chest and know you're loved and cared for and everything will be provided for you here. We'll take care of your physiology. The mother's breasts keep them perfectly warm, better than any incubator can, prevents infections, helps this baby calm down. Stress is not an issue for this baby. And areas of the brain that get stimulated are the ones that say, I'm happy, contented, I can have compassion, I can have sympathy, I am loved, I am secure, I am going to be content, and I'm going to be calm. And it stops crying beautifully. I would agree when I have seen that. You can just tell the baby just suddenly has this sort of, I don't know, like this calm that just comes over him. Yes. And you can just tell that he just kind of settles right in and settles right down. I often uh, liken it to, even as adults, we do that somewhat. We say, I want a hug. It's the same kind of an idea. And somebody just told me a while ago that uh, she likes to present it as if you have had that long trip, that it, it, particularly if it's been a hard trip, mm-hmm. where do you want to go? You want to go home. <laughs> and so is it reasonable then to think that the baby considers this chest to chest really going home, Susie? Yes, because we know from all of the fetal studies that they recognize the mother's voice when they're born within yes. minutes of birth. We know that they recognize her heart rate, and that's calming to be in a familiar environment because so much of what happens at birth puts them in a very strange, overwhelming environment. We know that he is accustomed to mommy's breathing movements, and they have rocked him in the womb. So when the baby is now on mommy's chest, he's back with her heartbeat. He's back with her scent that he knows and he still has on his hands from being in the bag of waters. Uh And he's on mummy. He's being rocked by mummy and he's being warmed by mummy. And the message is, I'm here to take care of you, dear, and I'm not going to let you down. Oh, Susie, I can kind of feel the tears pricking at the back of my eyes as you're talking about this. Because (sighs) I'm suddenly thinking as I'm hearing you talk that 
really what is happening in the outside of the mother's body has been exactly the same thing that has been going on from the inside of the baby, the mother's body. And so the baby's just perceiving all those things from the outside instead of from the inside. Yes, that's right. And, he, and being there in that warmth with all of mummy's familiar stimuli lets him know that I am with mother. I This is where all of eternity has planned for me to be as a newborn. Newborn mammals are to be skin to skin with their mothers. And then they eventually identify where the nipple is and they have the scent to go after because they have amniotic fluid on their hands. Uh And as soon as he puts on the mother's chest, the Montgomery tubercles at her nipples start to secrete that same scent of the amniotic fluid. So as the baby runs his nose near his hands, then he can find the scent that's being emanated from either one of the nipples that say, this is where you come, come on over here, and you can make it onto this breast by yourself. And not only will you do that, but your sucking will be so much more efficient than if you were not in skin to skin because we're letting you relax, we're letting you be calm and learn how to breastfeed the way you need to. Yeah, you know, I've often told mothers, if you want an older child to eat, you put him in the kitchen. And that's what you're doing with this newborn. When you put him chest to chest, you've just put him in the kitchen. He's right there near the food and he'll find it. Yes, they do. They (laughs) absolutely do. It's just amazing at how they know. And I think it's really important. You approach this from the standpoint of the mammals. And so many times we've seen other mammals really just cozy up to their mother in the way that you're describing. And we human mammals really need to take a big cue from that because it just works so beautifully, so beautifully. Uh, so, so, Susie, help me with this because it makes me a little crazy. I have worked in labor and delivery many, many years, and uh, I'm not doing that right now, but I often find that the nurse or other caregiver is eager to take that baby away because she is so afraid that the baby is going to get cold or she's got to do the baby's vital signs or she's got to, you know, tick whatever it is off from her list of to-dos. Uh, then the baby ends up being on the mother's chest only for a couple of minutes. Uh, I know that that doesn't work, but can you help us with why that doesn't work? Yes. Um, First of all, you have to remember it's a process of stimulation Mm. of the baby's brain that leaves him in a calm and collected manner so that he feels connected to his mother. And as soon as you move him away from that setting, he is removed from all of the reinforcing security stimuli that he needs. And he goes back to a strange environment. Now, we know that um, since 2010, the American Academy of Pediatrics, Breastfeeding Committee of the United States, etc., Canadian Pediatric Society have all been recommending, as UNICEF and World Health did even earlier, that the baby stay on the mother's chest for an hour or two to let the baby get over to the breast because he goes through nine stages where he is first looking around and then he relaxes a little, then he alerts again 
skin, he starts to crawl, he becomes familiar where he is, looks for the breast, looks for the nipple, smells his hand, and then these babies start to prepare the breast. And you'll find that they swipe at it with their hands or they lick it with their tongue. And these are very important pre-feeding behaviors. For example, we know from a study that if the baby is on the mother's chest for 20 minutes before he actually goes to breast, that his presence has caused the foremilk, which is not as rich as the hind milk she has in her breast, his presence has caused that foremilk to be shunted off to reservoirs and the hind milk to come right down. So when that baby gets over onto the breast, he's getting the most nutritious milk right away to make sure he gets that in his system for his own optimal growth and development. If you take him away to an incubator, you stop this process. And even more recently, we have wonderful research coming out about the moral development of babies and we know that it's in those first two to three hours that neurological pathways to particular areas of the brain are set up and if they're with their mother those pathways go to areas of the brain that say I am going to be able to have good relationships with others. I'm going to be able to trust others. I'm going to have attachments. I'm going to be friendly. I can understand sympathy. I can understand contentedness and happiness. But when the baby's moved away, the area of his brain that gets stimulated because it's a very stressful place to be if he is not in skin-to-skin contact with his mother on her chest, the area that gets stimulated is the seat of fear, hatred, hostility, violence, and an inability to interpret actions and faces of others so you know if you're safe being with them or not. Babies should not be removed. Clearly, many guidelines are out to let that baby stay on the chest until he has gone to the breast, finished his breastfeeding, and then do as many of the procedures as you can while the baby is still on the chest. On the chest. Even giving them, yes, even giving yes. him his shots and doing his footprints and you know, whatever you can, you do it while the baby is still there so that we reduce the stress to him. And you will find that when you give the shot to the baby while he's still on the mother's chest, that oftentimes they don't cry at all. No, because they don't. the oxytocin that he's had that's been in his brain because he's with his mother is actually uh, a, a pain reliever medication for his brain. Absolutely, and this is all so fascinating. Uh, everyone, I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Dr. Susan Luddington, who is talking to us about kangaroo care and skin-to-skin contact. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
what's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Dr. Susan Luddington, who's here to talk with us about kangaroo care. Before we uh, pick up where we left off, I would just like to thank our sponsor today, 
which is New Angel. If you are looking for excellent products that are made uh, by a woman-owned business by a woman who is a professional health care provider, you need to take a visit to New Angel. That's N-U-A-N-G-E-L dot com. Susie, before we took a break, we were talking about some of that initial contact with the mother. And you talked to us about really what I would call that golden hour, that sensitive time that Marshall Kloss talked about. Uh, right immediately after delivery. But I think it would be helpful if you could help our listeners to understand that all of these wonderful things that happen in the first hour or two are not limited to just that hour or two, but in fact, there are so many wonderful things that happen throughout the postpartum period. So let's take a look at how does all of this skin-to-skin contact affect the success of breastfeeding? Oh, it affects it tremendously well. The outcomes in breastfeeding are the ones that have made everybody endorse skin-to-skin content so quickly because we know that if you put a baby on its mother's chest, skin-to-skin, then the chances of that baby initiating breastfeeding are tremendously better than if the baby were not on the mother's chest. And that makes sense because he's close to the nipple, he can find it, and he is being supported to express all of his natural inclinations and reflexes to get over there and get his meal just like any (laughs) other newborn baby can. Uh Uh-huh. think our newborns can't do it when a cat or a dog can. It's just ridiculous. But we know that once he gets onto that breast, it's usually a very successful latch. The efficiency of his sucking is much better than when they are swaddled in at the breast. We know that his presence there releases oxytocin in the mother, so she has better letdown. He is able to satiate himself better with the food. We know that these babies breastfeed for much longer durations than babies that do not get kangaroo care during the first six weeks and especially during the first two days after birth. And we also know that the likelihood of this baby becoming an exclusive breastfeeder is a dose-dependent finding because the sooner he starts and the longer he does it for the first two to three hours increases the likelihood he'll be an exclusive breastfeeder up to six months of age. But you can't stop at two days or even after the birth period. If you want your baby to continue to be breastfeeding and For you to feel good about that breastfeeding and know it's successful and it's not so painful, you need to continue the kangaroo care. Because one of the amazing things that has come out in the last five to six years is how well kangaroo care handles so many difficulties that mothers (laughs) encounter. Yes, it does. Yeah, you talk about a supply of breast milk. Clearly, babies that do kangaroo care, their mothers have more breast milk available to the baby than mothers who don't do kangaroo care. So when you feel that this is beginning to slacken off, you need to increase the kangaroo care. If you find that the baby doesn't settle onto the breast as well as he did previously, do more kangaroo care. 
don't structure him so. Let him move over onto the breast on his own, and then he will have a good latch. He may lunge two or three times, but you can see he's got the nipple in his mouth. His cheeks are rising. You don't hear any <laughs> leakage noise. And so he's getting a better feeding. And this is going to keep the physiology going so that that feeding duration can continue. And he will be happy with the feedings that he's getting at the breast. And he will gain weight faster. Because when he has breastfeeding and kangaroo care, he doesn't have to use his own energy substrates. All of the food he's been taking in to keep him warm. His mummy keeps him warm, so he can just use all of that energy for growing and making sure he's healthy and fighting infections beautifully. Susie, I have to tell you that so many times when I give a course, I will have nurses say, well, what about those babies that have trouble latching or they're reluctant to latch or they don't latch well or however they word it? And I say, okay, well, what, what's the, f- they, we tried everything. Okay, what, what's the first thing you tried? And then they tell me something that is totally not useful. And I say, no, 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 no. The first thing that you need to try is getting people the baby and the mommy skin to skin yes because pretty much and and then i warned them that does not mean skin to bra so many times what i see is that the mother will still have the bra on and that totally messes up what you were talking with us about earlier about how those nerves on the chest are part of what make this thing work and it doesn't work when you've got the bra on it just doesn't work or any fabric because it turns off the nerve receptors on the chest they are exquisitely sensitive to only human touch skin to skin that's not moving so it has to be the chest to chest the baby's there he can move his hands but where these nerve receptors are is on the chest, and that only responds to human touch. If you have any bra on, you've turned them off, and you will have none of these effects. And yeah. as to a good latch, you know, many people try to help the baby on to the latch. Uh, I think one of the keys we've seen in the infant that we've worked with the kangaroo care so extensively is they do a pretty good job of finding the nipple and they usually make some adjustments to get a good latch and you can look at that latch but I find that the latch is always a little bit better if you make sure that his chin is actually nudging the breast tissue and when you see that you'll see the sucking improves and his cheeks go up and down and you can tell he's got a good coordinated suck and swallow but let him do it on his own time You've got to be on baby time when you have a baby. They don't know your schedule. They don't know you want to go off to the gym. They only know, well, I need a little bit more rest before I I try to feed again. But I am going to do it because I will get hungry and I feel that I'm in the safe place. I don't know you have a schedule, mommy, other than me. are so right you know the first time that I ever put a baby skin to skin was probably I don't know 25 or 30 years ago it was a long yeah and I really didn't know anything about it kind of a long story as to what happened but uh, what I noticed is just sort of a, a nurse who observed things I looked at that and I thought 
okay, well, I had meant to get the baby wrapped up, but I didn't and and so forth. And so here was this baby skin to skin. And the next thing I know, he's just making his move right over towards the nipple. And when he got on, he just suckled so well, efficiently, yeah. He, yeah. It's like he was in the right place and he was doing the right thing. And you could tell he had that rhythmic, really, you know, he just had it. There was no teaching that you needed yeah. to do. And we and, see and, in preemies, too. If they yeah. are in kangaroo care, they get such a deep quality sleep. It's so good that then when they wake up, they can actually be robust feeders at the breast. Yes. Yeah, and I have to say that not only is this in the research, but it has been over and over and over in my clinical experience, even before I knew that there was any research to support it. As a matter of fact, in those days, there probably wasn't any. Uh, but, but instinctively, I could tell that this was where the baby was supposed to be. And then honestly, uh, I know uh, now I feel really stupid for all the times that I wrapped up those babies like a little burrito, you know? Me too. I did uh, that. We uh, thought we were told that was best for them. Right? Now we, we know it's not. That's how you kept the baby warm. Well, it turns out that isn't how you keep the baby warm at all. And, you know, the other thing I, I could always see was that how the baby... It, it's as though he was trying to get past those silly blankets that I'd put him in. Mm-hmm. And when you just took the blankets away, that was much better. But on the other hand, once you've wrapped him up in the blankets and you've given him his shots and he's, you've, you've weighed him and you've done all that stuff that you're you know, supposed to do, quote unquote, uh, you've really had the interruption. And I think you did a brilliant job of telling us how that interruption, Susie, would it be fair to say that then the baby feels unsafe all over again? Yes, absolutely, and that yeah. reaction happens in milliseconds, and you see it in the babies. Mummies know this, especially like when they're trying to put a baby down to sleep, and they've been carrying the baby, and the baby's deeply asleep in their arms, and then they will very gently, ever so slowly, lower the baby into a crib, hoping he doesn't wake up and find out that she's put him down, and instantaneously, the neurological system of the baby says, wait. Something's happened. We're not where we're supposed to be. We like being with mummy. And now the baby's awake and crying and agitated. And that's because the animal, the human newborn, is supposed to be with his mother. And any time we separate them, it's a toxic situation. And in fact, only recently the American Academy of Pediatrics started publishing articles on separation being toxic to our babies in intensive care and the incubator is the most toxic place because there's no skin to skin chest to chest going on mummy can put her hand on the leg but it doesn't achieve the effects of skin to skin chest to chest because that's not where the nerves are they're on the chests of mummy and on daddy and on the baby wow that is just uh, it's just so astounding. So, so Susie, we know we've got now many, many research studies that show that babies have better heart rates and they have better breathing. They're less likely to have uh, what we nurses call apnea, that is a cessation of breathing mm-hmm. for 20 seconds. Uh, they certainly have better temperatures. Yeah. But... Uh, it, it always seems to me 
that both the staff and the parents are so reluctant. You know, we've been so trained that the radiant warmer is the be-all and end-all, and it just isn't. Well, and we especially encounter that with our younger generation of mothers who've just grown up on technology. Right, right. (laughs) It's not a matter of making a choice. It's that was the only choice. And now we're realizing that no technology in this case is not as good as Mother Nature. And we need to move away from that. And there are 1,682 publications on kangaroo care being better than the baby being anywhere else being in his own crib, in his own cot, in an incubator, under a radiant warmer, even unventilated babies can be in kangaroo care. And babies in many places from 24 weeks after conception, they were born at 22 weeks, 23, 24, these babies do well in kangaroo care too now. So we need to get them back to their mothers and their fathers. This is where they want to be. This is where they're supposed to be. This is not the toxic environment. And that is why the Centers for Disease Control in the United States published on their website a hospital policy Uh, They called it, you know, a sample hospital policy for good breastfeeding. And it said on page one, the first intervention to improve the health of babies and the likelihood of breastfeeding is skin-to-skin contact with its mother. As long as possible, as frequently as possible, possible, and with as many people as possible if the mother's not able to do it consistently. Susie, hold that thought. We are going to go to break. Everybody else, you just stay tuned. And I'm Marie Biancuto. I will be back along with our guest today, Dr. Susan Luddington. We will be right back right after this short commercial. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. 
Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your new angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Welcome back. We are talking today with Dr. Susan Luddington, who has done an enormous amount of research uh, she has been doing studies for as long as I can remember, and uh, Susie and I almost gave away our age, both of us here, a few minutes ago. But anyway, it's been a long time. And uh, I, Susie, could you repeat, please, how many studies are there now that talk about the efficacy of kangaroo care? 1,682, and they are available to anybody on a document called the KC for Kangaroo Care Bib that they can get off of the resource page of the website of the United States Institute for Kangaroo Care, and that website is www.kangarooCareUSA, all in small letters, .org. Amen. And I will try to add that to my website so that listeners can go back. There's a couple of actually really good web uh, links that you've talked about as we've gone along here. And I will do my best to get at least some of those posted. Susie, I was really, uh, I, I was just enormously fascinated with what you talked about with how this skin-to-skin contact affects moral correctness. Uh, I have a lot of questions about that. First of all, um, I know that researchers attribute this to the amygdala, but help us to understand what the amygdala is, and then help us to know how did they measure this uh moral correctness. I was pretty amazed with that. Can can you help us with that, please? Yes. Um, Well, the studies that have been done are now really showing us that 
what Klaus and Kennel, the originators of kangaroo care, because they did the first studies in 1972, yes. and they did it with full terms. Uh-huh. And the word kangaroo care then came into use when they started applying it to preterm babies. Um, but what they have found are these seafarent nerves, which are on your chest, when the baby is born and for a short period thereafter, and then they disappear, and they don't return until you're 60 to 65. Um, but these seafarent nerves send the message of pleasing human touch straight to the insular cortex of the brain, which is the very center of your emotion center in the brain. Uh-huh. And, and in this middle part of the brain, when the message gets there, it causes the cells to create a substance called oxytocin. Oxytocin is the love hormone. It's the chemistry that you have that says, oh, I want to... I wouldn't want to be touched by that man or, oh, I wish he would accidentally run into me while I was going down the hallway. Yep. <laughs> Somebody touches you, some you really like and some you don't. That's a result of oxytocin. But in the newborn infant, when being on the mother's chest stimulates these nerves and they send that message through the brain, the oxytocin travels on the nerves to 14 different areas of the brain. One area, as I mentioned before, was the brainstem, so that the baby's physiology is now relaxed and it's the best it can be and it'll be very stable. Another area goes to, of course, is the pain receptors, and it immediately shuts down the pain that the babies have, which is why we can give them shots and heel sticks and they have no crying because they don't have pain. The pain receptors have been turned off by mummies stimulation. Another area they go to in the center area of the brain is called the amygdala. And the amygdala has two parts, a right and a left side. And we're finding through PET studies, that's positive emission tomography studies, as well as functional MRIs, magnetic resonance imaging studies. You can follow when you have a baby with these open MRIs. We have the baby on the mother's chest, and you can just have the baby's brain show you what is being stimulated. And skin-to-skin contact then really accentuates the activity in the part of the amygdala excuse me, that is the center for calmness, connectedness, love, sympathy, compassion, empathy, and moral rectitude, knowing what is the right thing to do and what is the wrong thing to do. And when the baby's not in skin-to-skin contact, under an incubator anywhere, but rather than being with his mother and being held ideally skin-to-skin, chest-to-chest, they have documented that these messages from the insular cortex of the baby's brain go to the left amygdala, which is the center of fear, hatred, violence, lack of trust in others, and an inability to really do what is correct, you know, to question moral rectitude and believe it is very flexible. So there are other areas that the baby's brain is stimulated by the mother's presence, but we're finding now that these pathways that are set, these are neural pathways, and like any other pathway, once it is set, a connection is formed, and it's very hard to break that, and you want to keep stimulating that so that this is the one that develops. And any time the baby is away from the mother, 
this is not being stimulated appropriately, which is why I hate to see so many babies in daycare so young. Because the first six months of life in the first year are really important to their development. And we now know these first two to three hours are not just a sensitive period, Maria. They are a critical period, which means if this doesn't occur at this time, it may not occur. We have great resilience, but some things are pathways that we need to get established when they are supposed to be established. And that is when the mother and any mummy who has a baby, she wants to hold her baby. Absolutely. That baby right up to her chest and as close to her as possible. Well, that's because that's the best place for the baby baby and the best place for her. Absolutely. And Susie, as you're talking, I'm I'm visualizing how many babies I've seen born and how many mothers I've seen instinctively reach out for their baby. And I'm also thinking when you were talking about Kennel and Kloss, they they did do their original work in 1972 and at the time they were calling that time after birth a crit- a, a sensitive time yes. and and now you are telling us that it's we've upped the ante here this is yes. really a critical time critical and Claus and Kettle did not understand that at the time given the uh, amount of research that we had at that point uh-huh. And, and so, Susie, are you saying then that even if the mother is holding the baby skin to skin uh, six hours later, I mean, any time is always good, but yes. you're saying that, 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 that six hours later you don't get that same kind of effect that you get in that first hour or two? This is correct. It's not okay. as swift. It's not as intense. Yes. It's not as swift and not as intense. That's right. Ooh, so I am... It takes in more stimulation to set the pathway than if we get the skin-to-skin, chest-to-chest contact in those first two to three hours of life. Wow. For one hour. One hour is the best because we're also finding that the brain's functioning is definitely related to sleep cycles in the baby. And you know that the baby that's newly born, he is alert, he's awake, his job is to go find his food. And that's what he's going to do as he builds this energy after being placed on mummy's chest and he wiggles his way over and he checks out the right breast and he checks out the left breast and then he moves his whole trunk wherever he decides he wants to head. So he's spending energy and he needs to rest and he takes his time. But then after this feeding, he goes to sleep. And ideally, he will sleep in kangaroo care. And this is a very hot topic because people say, babies should be on their back for back-to-sleep requirements. I'm so sick of hearing that. Pardon? I am so sick of hearing that. Well, the point is, if you have a baby on your chest, the baby needs to be closely observed because he will go to sleep. Right. He has that feeding. He's got all the food in his belly. He's sated. What do we do? We all go to sleep after Thanksgiving dinner. Right. (laughs) 
Not only does he have that on board, but he has the oxytocin, which is a soporific. It makes people go to sleep. So he has that in addition to the breast milk and being sated. So they go to sleep. The best place for them to sleep is clearly on the mother's chest, but she must be in an upright position, have about four pillows behind her to help the baby's breathing because he's going to go deeply asleep. Beautiful, wonderful sleep that we know by EEG analysis they don't get anywhere else. And then, as he's going off to sleep, he will be able to start to cycle. And it is the cycling as the baby goes from being alert down into an active sleep and then down into a quiet sleep that enables these neurological pathways to start working and start being made as the baby falls into the sleep cycle. And then he's going to wake up in 60 minutes and do it again. So the ideal thing is the first hour he's alert trying to find his breast milk. Once he gets it, he goes to sleep. Let him have two wonderful cycled sleep experiences there. So these messages that I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm with my mother, All is good in the world. I know where my food is. I know how to stay warm. There's nothing else I need to worry about. Therefore, I can go to sleep and let my brain grow in a very positive way. Oh, Susie, you have just said that so beautifully. And I'm just thinking, you know, many years ago, I realized that the word obstet means to stand by. It does not mean to stand in the way. And truth is, I have stood in the way many too many times because I've stood in the way of nature being able to take over and do what nature does best that we nurses or healthcare professionals cannot do. Everyone Stay with us. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Dr. Susan Luddington. We'll be right back right after this short break. Don't go away. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. 
That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Dr. Susan Luddington. And as we were closing out that last section, we were talking about how nature does such a good job of taking care of the baby even when he falls asleep. And I said, it always drives me nuts when we're so hung up on this. It's such a hot topic because really being on the mother's chest is where the baby belongs. But Susie, you started to tell us about the the idea that the mother needed to be upright, we need to have at least four pillows behind her. Can you give us some other tips on how we can make that a safe environment for the baby so that we don't have to worry about this back to sleep while the baby is in skin-to-skin contact, especially right after those uh, the, the delivery moments? Yes, the... We want our mothers and our fathers to be aware that you need to watch the baby closely. We know that they are going to go to sleep, and often our mummies also go to sleep because they've been through a long and hard labor. Somebody needs to be responsible for watching the baby. And I usually tell my clients, Daddy, that's your job is to protect your mother and protect your new child. So what I want them to do is, one, make sure that the baby's head and face can be seen. They usually cover the baby entirely up. And we need to be able to see the face, especially at all times. The head needs to be turned to one side or the other so that there is nothing covering the baby's mouth and nose. If you've covered those up, the babies can stop breathing, and that's when the problems happen. It's when the baby can fall asleep at the breast and maybe falls underneath the breast, mummy's fallen off to sleep, and the breast is on top of the baby, and you think the baby's sleeping, but actually he's not. He's not reacting because he has very low blood oxygen. Mm -hmm. So. We need to make sure his head is turned to one side or the other. The nose and the mouth are visible and can be seen at all times. And then the one last thing is to make sure the baby stays warm and is not going to fall down or off of you. Very simple tube tops will keep the baby in place. Blankets keep the babies in place, but if you're relying on mummy's arms to hold the baby in place and she yeah. falls asleep, she yeah. loses muscle tone. Yes. So I'd much rather have her, many hospitals now give mothers a wrap to use. I'd much rather have my mummy have a good tight tube top or even take your swimsuit and bring it and put that on because that stretches for the baby, keeps him right there, and he's not going to fall down or out anywhere. You are the best therapy for your baby, but you can only be good therapy for your baby if your baby's alive. So, mummy and baby, if either one is sleeping, especially the mother, that baby needs to be watched for head turned to one side, head and nose and mouth uncovered, and baby's not falling down and out. And Susie, I know that you have a handout that looks at respiratory activity, perfusion, and 
positioning. That yeah. is R-A-P-P, the RAP handout. Mm-hmm. Um, I will give listeners the link for that. Um, but basically, it, it, it's really looking at uh, how well the baby is doing. And dad's job, I love this. You know, this is like so easy for the nurse to say, Daddy, I have a job for you. Your job is to protect mother and newborn and uh, be a keen observer of the baby's yes. appearance, the baby's yes. behavior, and the baby's positioning. And so, really, this has been just enormously uh, enlightening, I think, for all of us. Uh, Susie, can you give us just a really quick word? Uh, I know that you have a book coming out soon, and uh, tell us what what the book will be. Well, it's a compendium of kangaroo care that documents all of the studies that have been done, all of the guidelines that have been issued by professional associations and governmental agencies uh, about kangaroo care so that anybody who wants to know what is the effect of kangaroo care on heart rate can go to that you know, chapter on cardiorespiratory functioning. What is the effect on infection, in, on pain, on the need right. for uh, blood transfusions? In, it sounds like is, it's, re- it's really going to cover the waterfront. Am I correct? Yes, it's uh, 500 <laughs> pages of evidence. Oh, oh my. Well, with 500 pages, I think that ought to keep all of us busy for quite a while. Susie, better, thank you I've so been writing it for quite a while. I'm sure you have. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Dr. Susan Luddington today. That's all the time we have this hour. Always goes much, much too fast. Parents, please visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up next week. And if you are a nurse, visit my other website that is uh, breastfeedingoutlook.com if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation remember I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city I have several courses coming up that are live I will be in several cities uh this year. Don't miss out on that. I also have several free webinars. And please give my office a call if you would like to uh, sign up for one of those or just check my website at breastfeedingoutlook.com. And parents, you will want to join me at borntobebreastfed.com where I'll have a little blip about today's show. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management. 